Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Quick intro here, Mark. Um, all right, we're farmed to the show. We're back on uh, without Chris Dickerson. He's in London right now, traveling the world, accepting some type of uh, green award for uh, Players for the Planet. We got Mark Sheldon back, though, uh, to kind of uh, wrap up the season a little bit. It was a fun, fun, fun run down the stretch there. The team played well. Couldn't quite get it done getting into the playoffs. We talked last time about how big we thought it would have been for them to get into the playoffs. That being said, um, I think we got to look back at this year as a pretty big win for the Cincinnati Reds in terms of progress, in terms of, you know, things to be excited about if you're a Reds fan looking forward. What do you got, Mark? I definitely agree with most of it. I think, as you would know, when you're you're that close and – you can taste the postseason. At some point, there's no moral victories. They they really wanted yeah. to get in the postseason, and not getting in was very disappointing. The players were very upset on uh, Saturday when they were uh, officially eliminated, Jonathan India in particular, but really everyone. But that being said, it was a successful year in many ways. The the, the 2022 year was a roster teardown and a, the beginning of a rebuild, and rebuilds don't usually uh, yield contending the following season, and the Reds – we're in it to game 161. They, they ran out of gas in a lot of ways. They, they were hit with injuries. The rotation only had one guy left from the opening day starting five. Uh, but they also, in a broader sense, brought excitement and, and a, a kind of a refreshing electricity back to the market in Cincinnati. I, I think a lot of people really kind of regained their interest in the Reds after a few years of checking out. And I think that's really important. And then it sets them up for 2024, which is – uh, high expectations. They should make the playoffs or or there's going to be issues there. Um, obviously, it's not a slam dunk because they have a lot of young players and their, their fellow uh, rivals will be working to get better and we'll see what they can come up with. Yeah, I, I, for me, from you know, from afar watching this team, leading into next year, that is, I, I totally agree with you. I, I don't know that there's a moral victory, so to speak, relative to being in the race for such a large portion of the season, being all the way down the stretch and not getting in. That being said, there's a lot to be excited about from a position player standpoint. But at the end of the day, the starting rotation is going to have to stay healthy. Those 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 young guys are, you know, the Abbott, the Lodolo, the Green, Ashcraft. Like, they, they put themselves on the map, so to speak, this year. The bullpen got taxed way too much based on the injuries of the starting rotation, kind of like you referenced. But, man, that's got the makings, to your point, of a, of a, of a team for the next – I don't know, three to five, maybe as many as six years, it can be a cog in the National League Central. I mean, it, as we sit here today, the Cubs are getting better. The Cardinals are going to bounce back. The Brewers obviously having some turnover at the top with regards to management. Who knows what's going to happen there? But the, the Reds are, are pretty good, pretty pretty well suited to and equipped to be good here for, for, the, for the next few years. I agree. They – they also have money to spend. They only have one contract currently on the books for 2024. It's Hunter Green. And but since it's a backloaded contract, he has $3.3 million coming to him next year. That means there's a lot of room to make improvements all over the roster. And the rotation might be a place they look. But at the same time, they have so many young starters that they're very excited about. And Green may not even be the best of them. Uh, they have Andrew Abbott, who really came on in June and July and was, was really carrying the rotation for, for about two months. And then he kind of hit his innings limit and then pushed beyond it. And you could tell he wore down down the stretch and uh, he wasn't able to give them his best. You have Graham Ashcraft who should be back from a, a toe injury, but he he was kind of having an up and down year, but he was coming on as maybe his last eight to 10 starts. 
Nick Lodolo is going to be coming back from an injury. He's a question mark, but you, you got to think based on his previous games that he has a good chance of, of being a very solid pitcher. Brandon Williamson may have made the most growth among a lot of the, the rookie pitchers. He really, you know, he didn't have very good results in the minor leagues and was brought up basically because he was, it was his turn to pitch that day and they needed a starter and he stayed. He didn't get uh, demoted right. and he, he got better along the way. So there, there's a lot of starters they're very excited about. Um, and and there's, a, there's no reason why these guys can't stay together. And then you got some other guys that are in the pipeline, whether it's Connor Phillips, who had some moments this year that were really impressive, Lion Richardson. So uh, there's a lot to like, and there's room to spend if they want to go get a veteran. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that the veteran impact will be big, but but the 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 foundation of those young guys, I, I, I forgot about Connor Phillips, didn't even mention him, but you're right, he pitched in some pretty significant situations down the stretch and performed well. Um, I, I still like, though, uh, the versatility of the position players is is something that's not going away. It seems to be a, you know, definitely a, a philosophy, so to speak, that Nick Carl's trying to implement. And you see a lot of teams around the league that have that success with whether it's the Rays and I guess to a certain degree, the Braves, they're, they're probably a little bit more solidified with regards to position in terms of where the guys are playing. But, um, and in particular, the athleticism, because the Reds, I, I was watching some of the playoff games, they, they actually led the league in outs on the bases, right? So there's okay. Maybe they're a little too aggressive, but they're very intentional about being aggressive. I assume that's going to be, you know, philosophically Im- implemented throughout the system, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna scout and and uh and not recruit, but you know, acquire players that are gonna fit that mold. They're gonna continue to be that type of a team, which again, just it, it's it's an exciting thing to watch. I know that's the way David Bell likes to play. Hard nosed guy, play the game hard. It just it's it's it's, it's a it's a good you know, relative to where Nick Carl's trying to go and, and what they're trying to put onto the field. I, it, you just got to like, you know, the, the, the status of the, of the foundation, the core group of those young players. Definitely. They, they stole 190 bases and yes, they did get thrown out a lot. Uh, they were always going to be aggressive. They try to be smart and aggressive. I'm not sure those two uh, <laughs> adjectives always go hand in hand, but I think they did a lot. I think it was, they were going to make defenses make a perfect throw and throw them out. They were going to run the contact play from third base. They were going to do anything it took to go from first to third, from second to home. And they, they hustled. They, they were not willing to just uh, go singles, you know, use singles and go station to station. They wanted to run and score and, and push the envelope. And they had the speeds guy, the speed guys to do it, whether it was, of course, De La Cruz, who's the fastest of them all, but McLean, yeah. Friedel, Steer, um, Fraley, they, they all could run and, and, they they made defenses make mistakes, and, and De La Cruz was certainly at the top of the list. If he got on base, pitchers had to worry about him. It, it, it could create havoc for, for both the pitcher and the catcher. So, uh, And, yes, like you said, also versatility. McLean can play shortstop and, and second. De La Cruz can play third and shortstop. Steer played five positions this year. Uh, even the outfielders with Fraley and, and Friedel can play multiple spots in the outfield. So they, they really do exploit their, their versatility. They, they move guys around. Uh, even Encarnacion Strand was a corner infielder. He played both first and third. So they, they have a few guys that they can work with. Uh, I'll be curious how they make it all fit next year because Jonathan Nindy is going to be back possibly if he's not moved. And, and then you have McLean, you have uh, De La Cruz, Encarnacion Strand, Noel V. Marte. So there's there's a lot of guys they're gonna have to find playing time for, and we haven't even gotten to Joey Votto yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll get to Joey. I'm gonna put you on the spot right now because I 
we've talked about that versatility. There's a lot to be said for that. But if, if, if you're building that perfect lineup and let's assume that Steer is kind of a swing man and can fill gaps, he's proved that he's going to be offensive enough to obviously to be a, a mainstay at the, at the major league level. Who's the best shortstop on that team? Like, and to me, cause that's, you got to decide that position first and then everything else will kind of fall into place and you got a couple guys who can do it. But if you're building, if you're, if you're writing a lineup for, you know, 2024 opening day, and you got to decide out of, the, out of the current pieces. Who, who are you putting it short, and then the rest of the stuff, you know, kind of will will follow suit. I, I think the best defensive shortstop's Matt McLean. I, I thought he was the most consistent. I thought the, the 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 defense really flowed very well with him at shortstop and and De La Cruz at third. Um, so I don't know if they'll be able to go that route or not. But I think that's that's the one that I'd like to see. I I, I think you could put De La Cruz in the outfield. You could. Put him at third base if you don't have Marte there for whatever reason. Uh, but I, I think if you're going just based on defense alone, McLean's your best shot. I don't think he made a lot of mistakes this year. Yeah, and I, I think so. I, I tend to agree with you. And my reasoning is maybe more so the the presence. You know, McLean obviously put himself on the map this year. This is for all intents and purposes his first full year of real success at the major league level. But there's, you know, kind of to the point of Jonathan India, too, a really pretty emotional player in the locker room, it sounds like, from the outside looking in, also carries a lot of weight on that in that clubhouse. I think Matt McClain can be that guy moving forward, and it's, you know, you don't have to be a vocal leader, right? But but there's something right. to that that I think that McClain has that, you know, whether it's comedic relief, whether it's just presence, whether it's just shows up and plays every day, assuming health, there's something to him that I think he fits that 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 mold. Yeah, he's a quiet guy. He he's not your guy to go to for uh, a lengthy sit down conversation, big long quotes. That's not his style. He's he's very much uh, quiet. He, he, he but he also is very smart. He is very instinctual. He knows how to play the game, and he plays very hard. He's a, he's definitely a hard nosed player, both offensively and defensively. He's got a really strong arm, and even though he's five nine, maybe. He can get to a lot of baseballs. He's, he may not have the size and the range of De La Cruz in some ways, but he does get to everything. And he, he's just—he's not a bad place to start if he's your shortstop. He's—he's a good—he's a good guy to have there. But he's also good at second base, and he could play there if they don't bring India back. And and I think they'd be okay with that too. Yeah, yeah. So elephant in the room, though, we'll switch a little bit here and go into Joey. Um, you know, down the stretch, obviously wasn't playing consistently every day for, you know, various reasons or whatever, but there's a lot made of if this is in fact his last year, you know, how good of a player he was. He played for Cincinnati his whole career. Obviously the fans there love him. He was very open with regards to his opinion towards the fans and how appreciative he is of it, you know, over the course of his entire career, how supportive they've been. Help me out with kind of the, the feel there down the stretch with, you know, you've seen him the whole time, right? So you probably have as good a perspective as anybody to share that the, the genuine emotion, I guess, is maybe the best way to describe it that he was experiencing and, and the recipro reciprocal from the fans. Yeah, it's it was pretty incredible watching the last home game against Pittsburgh. Uh, he stepped out of the box because he was there. The fans got on their feet and they really let him know how appreciated he was and I, I think in some ways, and you know Joey from playing with him, that I don't think he expects things. Like, he doesn't expect attention. He doesn't expect love. He doesn't expect accolades. But he got it right there. And and not only did he get it then, he got it when he was lifted for a pinch runner, when he had his, his single towards the end of the game, and they, they, they replaced him, and he got a curtain call. 
And then when the game was over, the fans stuck around and watched him do his interview with uh, Jim Day uh, uh, on the postgame show. So there was a lot there. He was genuinely moved by it. It was, as uh, David Bell put it, kind of an organic moment. The Reds did not mm-hmm. do a last hurrah a send-off because he may he might be back it's not a sure. it's not guaranteed that he's not coming back to the reds it's not like what adam wainwright got on sunday or what miguel carrera got on on saturday uh there's no rocking chairs and and <laughs> puppy dogs and sending you off in the sunset this is this joey Votto might be back next season uh but he was genuinely moved by the moment it was a very odd moment on uh this past sunday in st louis to watch him get ejected after one at bat and that might be that may have been the end of the road for him with the Reds. If it was, that's a very weird way to go out. But uh, it, it's hard to read whether he's going to come back or not. I, I think there's a lot of things going on that are more than financial. Sure. I think there's some, you know, the team might want to try to bring him back for sentimental reasons, but they also might want to move on and, and really focus on the next generation. So there's, there's a lot of things at play that are uh, beyond money. But if it is about money, like I said earlier, they only have three point three million committed to one guy in a contract and then the arbitration guys and all that. So I, I think there's room to pick up his option or at least bring him back at a reduced cost. And I've already been on the record of, of having written, I think they should bring him back. I think he gets one more year. The loyalty runs both ways. Let's see what he can do when he's even further healed from his uh, shoulder surgery. And, and if, and if he produces uh, great, it's a good way to go out. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if they do do that, I think he can forecast a little bit how to how to expend his energy. He, he does such a good job of that, understanding like, look, you might not play every day. You're going to DH a bunch, You're, you know, things like that. I, I think there's a role there that, that actually fits and still trying to trying to capture some of what they had, the emotion of this year and carrying it over and, and kind of paying it forward, so to speak. But um, the, the Wainwright deal over the weekend was pretty special, too. I, I don't know if your interaction with him, but I've got to know Wayno a little bit over the course of time. And I mean, what a good human, right? An unbelievable pitcher. And St. Louis is, you know, obviously a great baseball city and paying him back. I, it, it, that made a ton of sense. I thought that was pretty cool. And I saw Scott Rowland was on the field for that. And then a bunch of other former Cardinals. Yeah, I, I didn't know him. I, I covered the Cardinals once in the playoffs against the, the Cubs, they, which they a series they lost in 2015. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of love for Adam Wainwright that day. And Molina and Pujols came back and he got a puppy dog and, and a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of uh, accolades. And he just seemed like a – yeah, he seemed like a good guy. And, and St. Louis does revere its, its uh, cornerstone-type players. And he seems sure. to fit that mold of, of people they've had in their history. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, I don't think Joey's going to get that kind of day. Even if he did come back to the Reds, he does not want a, a, a right. last tour, a, a final hurrah. That, as you know, that is not how he rolls. So I, I would not expect that for Joey Votto, even if he does come back for uh, 2024. For sure, I, I would agree with that. Um, speaking of puppy dogs, you got we still got your your puppy over there. We how, how's the puppy doing? <laughs> She's okay. She's 80 pounds. There's this Bernie's Mountain Dog. Uh, she was. You couldn't tell maybe, but she was right behind the chair, flopping around the curtains and trying to grab her bone. So she's uh, before she we get done surgery. here, a surgery on what? I don't know. I said before uh, we get done here, a, we got to get her some. We got to get her some video time before we get done. If I can get her to come over, yeah, she uh, she got spayed. <laughs> I, we we listened to you know Bob Barker <laughs> and Drew Carey. We had our pet spayed and neutered and or neutered, and uh, she's doing great. But uh, yeah, she's just got the cone off the other day, so she's okay. kind of feeling feeling good again. Well. Well, uh, if we can, if we can uh, coax her into coming over, we'll, we'll get her. But 
Yeah. The, uh, she's on the, the couch the, with a bone right now. Sounds like she's got it made, bud. She may be, she, she may be stationary for a minute. Um, hey, the other thing I was going to ask, like, playoffs are going on, wild card round. I need I need your uh, expert opinion on on how the, these playoffs are going to unfold. As, as you know, going down the stretch and keeping track of everything, you know the the Brewers actually lost yesterday um, to the Diamondbacks, but uh, that's going on. Give me give me some of Mark Sheldon's picks moving forward here. Yeah, in the National League, it's hard not to like the Braves. I know that's an easy opinion; they're the best team, but my God, they're they're so stacked. And what's interesting to bring it back to the Reds is the Reds had six one run yeah. games against them, and even yeah. though they only won, I think the one. They they were they, they had a, every game was just thrilling and I would have been cool to see the Reds and Braves get back together in October. Um, I think they're going to be good. I thought Milwaukee would be pretty tough and now it's yeah. we'll see. But it's yeah they got uh, some work to do. They're, they're, they're in some yeah they have some work to do big time. Uh, over in the American League, I, I like Minnesota. I like I really think that the the World Series pick though is Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I, I see Baltimore and Atlanta. It's, it's I know those are uh, pretty trendy choices, but there's a reason for that, and it makes sense. So uh, the Reds did beat Baltimore two out of three in Camden Yards, but that's a tough team. They have a lot of weapons. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I like them as well, despite the fact that they don't have a ton of experience on that team relative to the playoffs, which I think we can both agree is a pretty significant factor this time of year. Yes. Uh, I think we're going to see that with the Phillies. I think the Phillies are going to be are going to push in the National League. Um, Definitely. So I, I do like Baltimore on the American League side. I, I think that, um, you know, whoever gets to play Houston, I think Houston's beatable. But, you know, being a Dusty Baker, you know, fan, if you will, uh, it's, it's tough to bet against the Astros right now. They are they are the, the, the reigning champs, by the way. They've dealt with the, their share of in, injuries as they have the Dodgers. But I, I'm, I'm taking Baltimore on the American League side. And, um, and I, I, I tend to lean towards the Braves, too. But I, I do think the Phillies are going to give them – a run for their money. Yeah, I, I covered the World Series last year, a couple of the games at least, and I, I covered the Philadelphia the, the Philadelphia side, and yeah, they're an impressive team, and they have a good manager, and he took them from the, the sixth seed all the way uh, to the to the National League pennant last year. So I think I think they have a definitely have a team that's built to to go, and they're experienced, and they're used to pressure. So I I don't think it's wrong to think the Phillies could go deep. For sure, yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, all we can do is wait and see, but. Uh, the other thing I'm, I was going to ask, man, I need you to put your GM hat on, okay? So I know we were talking about some of the some of the options, you know, that the Reds may have going into the offseason. If if you're if you're the uh, the assistant GM, so to speak, what do you what do you what's your order? What's your order of importance? How are you prioritizing what the team needs? Yeah, I, I think I don't think you have to add a, a veteran starter. I think it would be good if they could. I think it would certainly push the younger guys as well. But I think where I'm going to probably want to throw some money at is is a, a right-handed bat for the outfield. Uh, they tried that this year with Will Myers. It did oh, not Myers. work. They were looking to have him as kind of a veteran offensive guy that could play the outfield, and it, it certainly didn't work. I don't think it was a bad decision. It just it didn't happen. Um, but if, I think a, a guy that could play right field, uh, like a Hunter Renfro type who yeah. they had for a few days, um, would be the kind of guy I'd want to go after. I, I think they would go after some more proven bullpen help. Uh, they really did tax their bullpen this year because of the rotation. But I think having some of the, you know, most of the guys they already have come back, but maybe supplement it with some more experience, uh, some more durability. And then if you have a rotation that picks up the slack and gives you more innings, I think that bullpen could be really filthy uh, next season. 
So I'd probably look at those three areas the most. Uh, I, I don't think they need any infield help. They're they're overwhelmed with their kind of embarrassment of riches in the infield. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see them bring back Luke Maley. I think he's a perfect backup catcher to Tyler Stevenson. And, and then we'll see. But uh, I, I think having an outfielder, a corner outfielder, I guess they could put Steer or Fraley in left field. They could put Friedel in center or De La Cruz and then have right field be the addition. Yeah. And yeah. Will Benson. I can't forget Will Benson, who had a very nice year from the left side. He ended up playing well. He struggled against left-handed pitching, obviously, but he uh, there's there's a spot for him for sure. He's, he's just he's too strong in that ballpark, man. They, it's, it's, it's a really, really good fit for him. I, I think that the underlying – Kind of the sleeper there is the Luke Maley uh, retention, you know, keeping him because of that young staff. I have to assume there was good rapport there. I know Luke a little bit. He's a really good dude, been around for a long time. Talk about, like, quote-unquote, getting it. You know, I think that there's the, the the relationship between him and Stevenson looked like it was a pretty good one. But being able to kind of continue to foster those those younger, those in particular the starting rotation guys, but those younger arms, I think it's so significant. Um, and give credit to you know the the the, the pitching coach and and David Bell staff on that front because I think they did a pretty good job. They just it was you got to keep them on the you got to keep them on the field. Unfortunately, they 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 didn't stay healthy. But I think the Maley you know pick there is, is is significant potentially going into next year. And I, I think it it really bodes well for them to kind of take the next step um, at least on the mound, which for me I think is the biggest thing. I I, I like Ellie to the outfield. I, I think that's probably not a super popular opinion. I think that um, he's dynamic and, you know, the ability to, to change the game out there I think is unique with the assumption that the, you know, the, the, the rest of the infield is, you know, that's, that's a strength of the, of the roster right now. Um, it, it looks like from afar that defensively maybe they can be a little bit stronger in the infield if he's playing center. Um, you probably maybe have a better, better frame of reference for that. But all of that to say they're in a tremendous spot based on the financial flexibility uh, you sound like my, my oldest son. He's like a little mini GM duties. All he talks about is like the, you know, the value adds relative to the amount of money people make. It's kind of hilarious, but, um, it, it, like we talked about, man, it's, it's a really, really good time. I know David Bell is excited about moving forward and, and kind of continuing to, cause to your point, the, the minor leagues has still got a pretty good setup as well. Right. Yeah. There's, there's guys that are coming, uh, Edwin Arroyo might be the best shortstop they have in the system, and he's in Double A. He was, I think, at high most of the year, yeah. um, and they have other guys that they're really excited about throughout the system. Uh, Blake Dunn had a big year at Dayton, and um, you know um, Carson Spires, who yeah. made some cameo appearances, came up from Double A. They like him. There's just a lot of people. They they seem to have a lot of depth. Uh, Chase Petty, who had a big year, uh, although they were kind of babying him a little bit because of his uh, previous arm injury, but he had a nice year at, at Dayton. There's just a lot of guys to like. Um, so yeah. we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of good competition. I think spring training will be interesting because some of these guys will be added to the 40-man or get their first big league camps to go with the younger guys that are going to have now expectations. This is not going to be – the, the same underdog uh, yeah. surprise story, no matter what they do, because they have to they have to back it up now. And that's getting back to Joey Votto. If there's anyone on, on that team that knows how to come back after a big year and face high expectations, it's Joey Votto. I think he could lead them through that. Luke Maley could lead them through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there, you know, and work with the staff because he worked really well with Hunter Green and Andrew Abbott. 
But I, I think you need to have some veteran presence, and India would be a good guy to have his round as well. He's even though he's a younger guy and only three years in, but he's got veteran experience and can can work with these guys. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree on all fronts. And um, once again, Mark, I, I I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I need what I need for you to do is to start your own podcast so that I can come be a guest for you. I, I need. <laughs> okay, to, I, I would love that. I need to return the favor, but um. Well, enjoy the off season. I know, I know that you got a little bit of downtime. Enjoy that because you, the, the season gets hectic for everybody. Um, and hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to have you back on, maybe during uh, during the winter meetings time frame when when there's some action going on on, on some on that front. That would be outstanding. And uh, congratulate Chris for me on his uh, his award in London. And uh, it, it was great talking to you again. And I, I appreciate you having me back on. Absolutely, Mark. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks again. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.